Welcome to Urbane Legends, the podcast about urban legends and how to act in a courteous and refined manner, but much less about that. Here's your hosts, Neil and Chris. Hello, welcome to another episode of Urbane Legends, the podcast about urban legends and increasingly being sidled out the back door etiquette. Uh, I am the author of In Pursuit of Cheese, My Journey Around Dordogne, Chris Flynn, and with me, as always, is waspish socialite, Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How's your week been? It's been, uh, yeah, been pretty good. Been pretty good. Seeing you, um, seeing your, your picture in the Daily Mail, attending attending certain socialite events this week. How were yeah. they? It was good. I looked down my nose at some inferior people. And I, you, uh, that's, is, is that anyone? Money on things I didn't need. Yeah. Um, do you plan about how hard I have to work and have to work twice as hard as poor people? You've got to. Make, You've got a new, um, you've got a new range of scarves that have been picked up by H and M, haven't you? They're coming out soon. Yes, yeah. I, um, I mean, other people make them, obviously, but I, I very much, you know, come up with the idea, the design, of the scarf. Yeah. What kind of designs are they? Somebody else made them. Oh, someone else did design. So you've, you've yeah. let. So you just... I put the money in, which I think is, you know. Did you put the money in though? Real work. Well, no, I borrowed it. Obviously, I, I, I bought the company out and then leveraged that uh, leverage of the debt. And okay, well, uh, I, I suspect it'll go under in about three years, but I should probably make a tidy packet out of it. So it's you could sell it to Sir Philip Green before before that happens. Just <laughs> out a pension scheme, I guess. <laughs> um, well, allegedly control. Uh, well, you know that's good. I'm, I'm sure we. Um, we all we all wish you well. And um, were you particularly waspish at all in the last week? <laughs> well, other than all of the above, um, did you make anyone cry or throw maybe some uh, riesling in someone's face? Well, I, I thought I thought I saw one of the servants looking at me, so I screamed at them until they ran out of the room crying. Yeah, yeah, and uh, presumably they they sacked sacked because of yeah. that as well, presumably. Yeah, obviously. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, so, uh, you obviously will um, be uh, very much into to etiquette and that kind of stuff. Um, what with? Well, I mean, not not you doing it, but you want you want eti- you you want to be I want to a see receiver a of etiquette. etiquette around me. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, so this week, because we've completely uh, covered um, all etiquette from the Western world, uh, I'm going to give you some Japanese etiquette, because I know that um, you like to travel to Japan now and then, don't you? Um, as yeah, you know, when it's Lotus Blossom season or whatever they call it. Cherry Blossom, is it, in fact? Yeah, Cherry Blossom. So, passing money when paying. So, if you need to pay in cash, 
In cities such as Tokyo, most taxis accept credit cards nowadays, but in smaller towns in the Japanese countryside, many taxis only accept cash. In Japan, money is rarely passed directly from hand to hand. This means that when you purchase an item or service, you won't hand money directly to the cashier. Instead, you'll place your payment, whether cash or credit, on a small tray provided, a pan, like a panhandler. <laughs> um, if change is due, your change will be placed here for you as well. The practice is prevalent in Japan. You can expect to encounter this more common system in hotels, restaurants, taxis, and konbini, or binai, which is convenience stores and elsewhere. So don't hand someone the money. Put your cash no. put your cash in the tray, Neil. I think paying for things is irredeemably vulgar, so I don't do that. <laughs> that sounds a bit like... Um, no, I went to some, like... They do that quite a lot, in, like, just abroad. Like, um, if you go to... I mean, just anywhere. If you go to a tobacconist in France or Spain or whatever, mm-hmm. they'll often just put the money in a little change thing. Reek fancy bars. I mean, <coughs> they'll give you a change back in a saucer. Yeah. So you can leave it. Um, so, are you, so that I mean, that's useful to know. Don't hand people money. Because, I mean, I would instinctively probably do that if I was in a convenience store getting myself some, I don't know, Mountain Dew or something. I'd hand the cash over because they've got... You mean buying a pillow wife? Buying, buying yet another pillow wife. Yeah. Buying... Um, Maybe that was company, eh? Buy, um, yeah, my, in my pillow harem. Uh, <laughs> or buying uh, perhaps some new outfits for my virtual Tamagotchi girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eating and drinking on the street, Neil. We love doing it in England, don't we? Constantly. Because okay. we're on the move, busy people. Yeah. You know, bang. Fuel. Yeah, business fuel. Got to get some business fuel yeah. down yourself. Thank you, boy. Steak bake, something like bit that. Get down the shirt. Never want to move on. Get, bit down the shirt. get rid of the shirt. I've got another shirt in my drawer at work. What ties for? Mop that up. <laughs> Mop up that gravy. Lick it. Throw the tie away. Get another tie. Lick another day. Yeah. I've got, yeah, you've got drawers full of ties for the next meeting. Got a different tie for every meeting, Tom. Um, so, eating and drinking in the street. So, street food is not as common in Japan as it is in some other countries in Asia. Uh-oh. Although cities like Osaka and uh, Fukuoka are notable exceptions with like street food cultures, oh, it's a minefield. <laughs> different cities, oh, different... I'm read them on a city-to-city basis. Ugh. In most Japanese cities, eating and drinking in the street or on local trains, such as Tokyo Metro, for example, is generally frowned upon. Even so. Well, that, that, that's the same in a lot of places. Though. Well, you're not meant to, like, eat your... I mean, Metro, like a like tube train, yeah. I mean, that's bad manners anywhere, really, isn't it? Um, well, eating on the train is... No. Train, train in, in England is fine. I mean, like, in France, though, that's frowned upon, for example. Well, unless you buy it from the... Buffet car. Oh, yeah, no, if it's like a buffet car, that's a different case. Yeah, but you don't go on so. there with your bucket of chicken. Yeah. As much as... You don't go on with a carrier yeah, bag. A hot food is the problem, isn't it, actually? It's kind of like... Um, a carrier yeah, bag full of rotisserie yeah. chickens from a rotisserie. In environment. Yeah, oh, you don't want I that. was thinking of, like, would, it, would there be a market for... Because, you know, in France, there's, like, the shops which literally just sell rotisserie chickens. 
Mm. Right. And they're delicious, aren't they, rotisserie chicken? It's, the, oh, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I was wondering if there'd be a market to open something like that in Brighton, just a shop that just sells rotisserie chicken. And you, really you open it, s- sell the chickens, and then shut the shop. You've made enough money to get more chickens to put on the rotisserie for the next day. There's a, there's a restaurant. I was reading a review of Guardian. I think it was, um, yeah, it's a, uh, a restaurant that's just opened up. I, was it in France or was it in England? I can't remember. But yeah, they would basically just, that's pretty much their menu is rotisserie chickens. They're supposed to be really nice. Delicious. I looked, um, you can get a rotisserie for your own kitchen for not very much money. Mm. And you can use it for doing your rotisserie chickens. You could make your own kebabs. Yeah. Um, both. I've, I've looked into this, believe you. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a funny attachment that makes you like weird ch- chips. Oh, really? It just sort of spins them around on the rotisserie spit. Oh, it's, it's like a cage. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of like tumble around, like yeah. a tumble dryer or something. So it's like air-dried kind of... I was thinking like, of getting one, but the, the only reason why I haven't is because of the. I think the size of it would be too big for my kitchen to store it comfortably. Because otherwise, like, I'd just bang in a chicken every Sunday and just have that. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that's like, you know, the old, um, the fabled toasted sandwich maker. Well, I use or, I, um, I've got one, I use it all the time. Dude, I just use a frying pan, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, you can do that. You can just, yeah, use just, just cook it in that, which is fine. Um, it, it's just, yeah, like I've got a slow cooker, which I've had at the sink, which I use occasionally, but just not enough to warrant it. Sort yeah. Of, um, a bread maker in the wardrobe somewhere, which I've Yeah, I haven't used. got a bread maker, I've just got a tin, which I make bread in if I make bread. I've got the slow cooker, and I, I've, you know, I get some use out of it, but to be honest, it was cheap, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It was, you know, I'm good enough to have it. It's, you know, you can. But big old meal in it, just don't use it often enough to justify it. So it's one of those ones you don't want to keep buying those bits of equipment and then you just end up somewhere. Yeah, but rotisserie chicken once a week. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. Which brings us back to Japan. <laughs> Even so, these days it's not terribly uncommon to see the locals scarfing down, should be scoffing, shouldn't it? A quick snack. No, scarfing. scarfing down. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Uh, scarfing down a quick snack en route to or from work. However, while this traditional rule of etiquette may be increasingly old-fashioned, it's still a good one to keep in mind. As for eating on trains, while it would be slightly uncouth to eat or drink on a commuter train, the, uh, the bullet train and other long-distance trains are a different story. Not only is it culturally acceptable to eat and drink on long-distance trains, it's an integral part of the experience. And Japanese train stations are brimming with beautiful bentos and sake for the journey, so you can get all nice and pissed up. <laughs> and some rice nice. wine, cause some trouble. The salary man just necking some sake. <laughs> yeah. Before he gets home at one in the morning and then has to get up at four in the morning to go to work. <laughs> yeah, I hate the idea of being a salary man, don't you? That seems like a hell of a horrible life yeah i think it just feels like a really pressurized environment but um i mean you know fair play to them for their commitment to excellence and all that but uh yeah i don't know yes yeah, so, but, uh, yeah no I, I don't know not 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 for uh not for old nearly yeah. not for mr herbert no thank you but you work you work hard enough don't you no oh, yeah. yeah well done well done you're the true hero uh so neil there's your Japanese couple of Japanese etiquettes. I'll probably do another couple of them next week because uh don't know, because I've found it now. Um Neil, you are leading 
leading the charge today on, uh, so I, I don't know how else to put it, crack on. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Probably going to be a charge of the light brigade, but we'll see how we go. Um, da, 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 da. So, Chris, I'm going to talk to you uh-huh. this week about Kulhara. This is a haunted village. Kulhara. India's very Kulhara. Kulhara. Okay. I'll just go, just clarifying what it's called, sorry. Yes, Kulhara. So um, this is India's very own ghost town, as, um, as I'm being called here by conspiracytheories.in, an article by Garima Gupta. Okay. So Kulhara, dotted with hundreds of dilapidated sandstone houses and dusty roads, lies 18 kilometres southwest of Jelzama, Rajasthan. Standing cursed and haunted, it obtained an air of abandonment by holding a secret that needs to be discovered. What? <laughs> yeah, you you up for up for discovering a secret, Chris? Well, I don't know. It sounds uh, sounds like it could be a dark secret. It could be. We don't know until we find out. <laughs> so, its origin in around the 13th century it was inhabited by a prosperous clan of uh, Paliwal Brahmins, who were known for their business acumen and agricultural knowledge. So I think Brahmins were the. Um, it's like the. Uh, like a caste, isn't it, within the, the Hindu system? It's sort of like the um, the priests and things, we believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a Varna class in Hinduism, and they're intellectuals, priests, and teachers, and that kind of jazz. So Kulthara was the largest village in the community of 84 villages settled nearby, home to over 1,500 people housed in 400 houses living for centuries. But one night, everyone left the town in the dark. Ooh. Why did they do so, Chris? Why did they decide to leave their settlements after having lived there for centuries? I'm assuming you mean people overall, just not like individual people, like live hundreds of years. Um, no, I think it's what you think. Or is that another mystery of this town? Just the people live for like centuries, yeah, and suddenly fuck off. It's all the yoga and stuff, isn't it? You know, yeah. just keeps you really healthy. Well, Rajasthan is um, that would that's right in the north of India, isn't it? So it would have been. So yeah, it's it's kind of. I think it borders on to what is now Pakistan, so it would have been um, sort of a big sort of crossroads, trading crossroads, so you can see why mm. a lot of kind of towns like this, ancient towns, there's a lot of ancient towns around there because they were big sort of trade hubs. Okay. Yeah, very beautiful, I've heard, Rajasthan. Um, okay, so the most startling question is, where did they go after all? More or less, just kind of. So, there's a few theories that the outlines here, Chris. Okay. So, the first one is around a tax collector called Salim Singh. Right. So, one legend associated with Salim Singh, who was the Diwan of Jalzama, he was well known for his debauchery and unscrupulous tax collection. <laughs> yeah, that's living all right. <laughs> he sounds all right, doesn't he? <laughs> I think, um, depending on exactly where that's going to go, to be honest with you, I think it can go one of two ways. It's kind of like a little bit saucy, a little bit randy, fair enough. If it's like, yeah. Anyway, look, you'll find out in a second. So, according to the tales narrated popularly, he had his eyes on the beautiful daughter of the chief of the village. He was hell bent on having the girl and warned the villagers. Is it a mount heavy atrocities? I think he means to expect heavy atrocities if they came his way. What? And he gave him a dead of just 24 hours. So, you know, he's put them on the spot. What they did, he, sorry, he said to the villagers that they should, right, so 
sorry, just clarify. So he fancied the chief's daughter. Yeah, so he, 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 he's got his eye on the, the beautiful daughter. And then he daughter. said to expect atrocities if you come my way. So what's that? That's going if you if you start on me? Okay, so as actually written, and again, this is one we have to bear in mind, this is probably written in somebody's second yeah. language, so we don't want to be too snotty about it, but he, what he's actually written here is, he was hell-bent on having the girl and warned the villagers to mount heavy atrocities to the came Now, obviously, he's not warned the villagers to mount heavy atrocities, because why would they do that? So I yeah, quickly amount them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> If I don't get it, some, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, yeah. invade with a load of people and sort of like make your lives hell, or I don't, I don't know, I don't. Well, he seems quite I, powerful for like just a tax collector. Well, you probably would have been back in the day because I don't think people would have been too interested in paying tax. It was a bit like I believe in the Roman Empire, the tax collectors had an awful lot of power because effectively you were licensed by the the state. Yeah. To, you basically had to get hold of the money by hook or by crook, and you had pretty much, you know. Barring anything completely outrageous, how you how you got hold of that money was up to you because okay. they needed it for the treasury. So uh, you kind of had a little bit of license as to how you got hold of it because you know. Yeah, so probably had a mercenaries and that kind of stuff to help. Yeah, exactly. Gang you, of you thugs. Know, exactly. You know, you would have got in, you know, tooled up with some people at his back. I would have imagined, but um, yeah, and it would have been quite a well remunerated role in those days, I guess, because it would have been quite important being able to sort of collect the old tax for the Yeah, and quite dangerous. And so, if you were an efficient, exactly. if you were an efficient tax collector, then you would be, yeah, well, like you get, you'd, exactly. you'd probably get a cut, I would imagine, a yeah. percentage. Oh, almost, almost certainly to incentivise them to. A, or, to or you say that? I mean, you would imagine that. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like. There's a fair amount of wiggle room for a little bit of corruption as well. <laughs> you go, yeah, I mean, there's about a thousand people in the village, and actually there's 1,500, and you just keep the rest, whatever. I mean, the, the, you know, I, I doubt that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was a very advanced, very advanced place in India, so maybe they had census takers and stuff as well to try and keep everything nice and shit. I think there was some of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, almost certainly. And it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how how thorough and how frequent the audits would have been, who knows? But uh, yeah, let's. As with all of these things, there's bound to be a bit of avenue for a bit of grift. And again, as with all of these things, I'm sure people were happy to turn a blind eye as long as money came rolling in. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you know he's he's rocked up. You know yeah. he, he's wanting the the the, the chief's daughter. Um, give him a deadline of 24 hours. Not willing to surrender the girl. To this devil, for the sake of their pride and honor, decided to leave the town overnight, leaving their belongings behind. Not only that, Chris, because there's a lot in this actually which talks about, and I don't know how anyone's been able to verify this, but supposedly um, the village was abandoned literally overnight. Um, Again, how anyone's verifying this, I don't know. I've not been able to sort of ascertain that properly, but it's a bit like, you know, you marry Celeste, but much bigger. And, you know, and it's sort of a bit more real. So, also, though, before they left, that's not all. It wasn't just an abandoned village, Chris, because, you know, much of the ghost town. You've seen those. Also, before they left the village, they, they cast a curse that no one would ever inhabit the village again. And the spell stays true. Well, it says until today. I think he means to this yeah. day. And the village remains. Should we go and move there? Just to prove him wrong? <laughs> well, here's it. Oh, it's, it's probably, like a, somewhere, it's probably like a UNESCO World Heritage site, so you legally can't live there. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that if that's how the um, the curse manifests well, itself through, bu- through bureaucracy. <laughs> bureaucracy, yeah. What is the most, the t- most deadly of all curses? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It, I think you know. Yeah, it's. Well, there, I mean, I've I've read in in other places. There's this kind of thing about how you know if you stay overnight, you will be killed and things like that. Which and supposedly the government put warning signs on the um, on the gates to tell people not to stay there overnight. Because I guess it's kind of a little bit out in the middle of nowhere, so they can't really rigidly enforce it. It reminds me a little bit when I went to Serbia, there's this great notice, and it's like, uh, don't go past this bit of the castle, or you'll probably fall over and die. <laughs> but if you want to, that's fine. I'm not really going to bother our asses about it, but, you know, just just recommendation. Which I thought was quite what? good. There's no railing. Oh, anything. OK, so it was actually like you'll die because it's dangerous rather than it's haunted. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> this, this particular um, So thing, I'm yeah. looking just... Um, I'm looking at a thing called Culture Trip, um, a website, and it says the same story, but there's a couple of differences. So okay. it says that Salem Singh was the Prime Minister of uh, Jessalamir, who fell in love with a daughter of the village chief, so not a tax collector, he's actually the Prime Minister. And he threatened the villagers and her family by burdening them with huge tax if they did not agree to the demands of the daughter marrying him. So okay. they left because he was going to tax the shit out of them, basically, to protect the girl's honour. Okay, so that, that's one That's one potential. And that one seems to go around quite yeah. a few places. Obviously, the details do differ from place to place. Yeah. Um, unless, the the, unless, the, um, unless the guy who wrote your one is like, um, is like one of those... Uh, American people who doesn't believe there should be a government, so instead of calling him Prime Minister, he just called him Tax Collector. Yeah, I want, I want to make a government small enough to drown a bath. Oh, really into war, though, for some reason. I might seem to think that doesn't happen without government. But actually, no, they probably just get black wants to do all the wars for them. Anyway, let's not get into that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's the most rigorous... rigorous start again. I don't know that it's the most rigorously researched um, article looking at it but uh hey it's it, it's it's interesting um so apparently as well there's no historians have found no clear evidence of where the uh, brahman settled after leaving the ancestral mm. village so it's interesting atlantis so that's one theory they, yeah they all went to atlantis to atlantis um yeah join the atlantans they went off to a ley line <laughs> we're not paying tax anymore fucker you're not having my daughter so uh we'll, we'll go with the lizard people in atlantis so that, that's one yeah. theory. Um, a you know, a powerful a, person threatened to either smash him up or give him really high taxes because he wanted to marry the daughter of the village chief. It's like those silly kind of like rumours about what call it joint decenia or the sort of like the the first night. The, there's this thing that still there's a persistent rumour that people, um, you know, the, the the lord of the manor or whatever, and um, in European countries could demand the first night with the with the wife of a newly married lady. Yeah, whatever. he could deflower her essentially. It's not true. Ah, well, that's good. Um, okay, so re, re, that so so number yeah. one, you know, rapacious tax collector. Number two, could it have been an earthquake? So, in contrast to the above mentioned legend, in recent research, signs of tectonic movements have been found along with several other major faults in the region. Yeah. Moreover, according... yeah, because it's it's kind of the foothills, or it's near. Well, I say near, probably not that near, but I mean it's closish to the Himalayas and all of the sort of mountainous region which kind of sits between 
Pakistan, Afghanistan, and India, and all that, isn't it? So it's probably quite okay. yeah. geoactive. Yeah, so according to the researchers, the lapidated structures were located on the geological faults. And there's collapsed walls, scattered dress stones, fallen lintels, pillars and stuff that actually uh, show some evidence for the study for them. But, as our article points out, if the place faced a sudden earthquake, why did it remain desolate? Could have been renovated for re-inhibition. I mean, they could have... Most probably because of the stories of mysterious deaths and rumours that the village was haunted and no one ever dared to come in and settle there. So that's the second theory. Could have been earthquakes, but then, you know... Doesn't explain why it's never been resettled. Well, unless they thought they'd angered the gods or something, or it was like a shit place to be, or un- unlike pe- the people of San Francisco or whatever, they thought, right, this isn't a very safe place to build a village, so we'll go somewhere which is um, has a few less earthquakes. Yeah. So, and then, and then our, our third one. So, interestingly, talking about the west coast of America, was it scarcity of water? Mm. So while another theory suggests dwindling water supply may have forced the villagers to seek new sources of water elsewhere, they had an advanced understanding of agriculture and were able to grow crops in harsh, dry conditions of the far, identifying water presence beneath the soil. Thus, the scarcity of water may have led to the starving population. Still, the question does remain unanswered. If it was water scarcity, then why did people vanish overnight, and why not in the daytime? I mean, it's not much about the daytime, but again, why, did, you know, why do they go off so yeah. quickly? And then a final theory... Could there have been an invasion? So a final speculation by historians supports the possibility of an invasion. Yeah. According to this viewpoint, invaders on the festive day of Rakshar uh, Bandam might have poisoned the communal wells with animal carcasses. Several villagers martyred, protecting their own village from invaders and had to migrate to new and safe places overnight. Although, interestingly, the Palawal community does not celebrate um, Rakshar Bandam, so that would seem to invalidate that theory. Oh, the date of it, um, anyway. Not Russian. Yeah, oh, I'm not quite sure what the um, evidence for that is either, really, how you'd, how you'd sort of like still be able to... Wells would have all dried up by now, I would have thought, so you wouldn't see evidence in our boxes. So what could be the truth? It's a desolate place with a frightening look, and it's now a heritage site maintained by the Archaeological Survey of India. The amazing fact about the place is the gates of Kulhara are closed by neighbouring villagers as they believe that supernatural beings take over as the sun sets. Mm. The temple there continues to stand amidst the ruins, However, sadness still lies in the air, thinking of the forefathers who had to abandon that overnight. The truth still remains below the layers of soil, and the legend of Salem Singh continues to attract the interest of most of the people. Moreover, the legend is supported by ghost activity notes there. Oh. There are references to the sounds of screaming and other bizarre activities. It does not um, get into what those bizarre activities might Yeah, it's be. a shame, isn't it? Because they always put that as a capper on stuff like this, but they never actually tell you what it is. <laughs> what Again, this is one of my favourite categories of urban myth. I'm beginning to lean... So it's a heritage mm-hmm. site. Apparently, it's quite gets quite a good tourist okay. trade. And, um, Rajasthan's quite... There's so loads I'm of... Starting um, to lean one of my favourite categories. <laughs> I mean, that, that part of India, um, there's loads of some of the very earliest cities in the world that you can find and there was like really early civilizations called like the Indusvati civilization and that kind of stuff and there's quite a few sort of abandoned cities because it's very arid there they kind of stick around and it can be because of like a fall of the culture or um you know a change in the change in the um climate conditions and that kind of stuff well, I think there's something inherently fascinating about abandoned villages, full stop. Because, you know, you've one of those wiki wormholes you fall down. Um, 
reading about ghost towns, and I kind of thought that was more of a kind oh, of well, West. Like, <laughs> yeah, kind of a, more of an American thing where you know things get abandoned and then sort of like just like, like, like Detroit. <laughs> Coming that way, bankrupt city and all that. But yeah, um, but yeah, you, you'll sort of you'll get it out in, in various places, like yeah, you know, because there's so much sort of obviously room and stuff out in the states. But then there's quite a few um, knocking around in England as well, um, or or in the in the UK. Um, I mean, there's one. Well, not it's not a ghost town really, but there's that um, village that got flooded um, in Wales to make a reservoir for. Well, Liverpool. there's the tide mills, which is by in, just by New Haven, which is near us. And that used to be uh, a little village with mills in it, which were run by the tide, mm. unsurprisingly. Um, and you can see all the kind of cottages and stuff there, but they've all been abandoned, so you can just kind of see the low wall yeah. bit. And they used to be... I mean, that was fairly recent. I think they were because it was considered almost a slum, so people were moved out of there during the war, I think, and then it's just been abandoned since because there used to be a railway station there as well um oh okay so yeah they would have um yeah probably would have been less well for the beaching um report whatever they stopped stopping um, well no the railway station i mean it, up a lot of the branches of the well, that station. wouldn't have mattered so much because it's because that line goes along to seaford where it ends so you've got so okay. it's just there was a less stop rather than the whole line being being gone yeah um yeah. But yeah, there's loads of. I mean, there's loads in Turkey and places like that, ancient places, villages and stuff that have been abandoned. Um, yeah, it's not a new world thing, really. Yeah, I mean, you look at the photos and it looks it looks kind of like really fascinating. And obviously, as you say, you know, um, being out of being looking like quite an arid climate, it's sort of obviously been very well preserved and sort of you know millennia old. So it looks quite a fascinating place to visit. I mean, you think that people would go out there and sort of look at it, regardless. But I guess uh, there's probably you know a, a fair few. Um, Ancient sites in India. So, if you want to, uh, yeah, a couple want, want to add a little bit of a uh, <laughs> little bit of extra sauce to your uh, to your tourism brochures, a cheeky haunting is probably not a bad bad thing to push. I'm not suggesting that's what the where the original. Um, no, but it's decent to push that side of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, haunted village. So, I want to know what. What other stuff there is? And when was it? When was when did all this happen? And how old is the place? Yeah, it didn't really get into. Um, so, it, I mean, the place has been around since the 13th century. Oh, it was founded 200 <laughs> years ago, apparently. Oh, it was around around the 19th century, apparently. So it would have been sometime in the 1800s. It was abandoned. Let's have a look and see when then um, Salem Singh was knocking about. In the 19th century, it should be fairly good records of. Uh, so it looks like they've actually reconstructed some of the houses for the tourists to see what it would have been like. Is that not uh, dangerous? Ghosts might not like that. I mean, I think that... Well, it seems that the ghosts only come out at night, as long as you're not living there. It's a bit like one of those holiday homes that you can't stay in all year round. <laughs> you, can, you know, you, you can go there for the day and you won't get a terrible haunting. Right. But, uh, you stay overnight and, uh, you know, you, you piss off some of the... Uh, Oh, but, okay, so it says here, without without the special permission of the caretakers of the village, no one can stay there, stay there at night. Um, so you can get special... We should try and do that, get ourselves some special permission. Yeah, I was going to think, this, is, this sounds like another potential field visit, <laughs> probably one of the more interesting ones. Or as much as I want to go to Chanak Case and hunt down the pig man, um, I think Rajasthan would be a more interesting, albeit more expensive... Uh, slightly more expensive. Slightly, slightly, slightly more ambitious, yeah. I'd say. <laughs> Yes. 
I mean, so, you know, we've, we've got the we've got the Florida Museum of, of Robert the Doll, which you know that's another field visit we'll do. And uh, but yeah, Cabot Chase is probably the cheapest one. But yeah, Rajasthan sounds the most attractive thus far. There's a. Let's have a look. I mean, clearly, it's there and it was abandoned. I guess it's whether you buy into the, um, you know, is it is it haunted? And and what's it haunted by would be kind of my question as well. Because if everyone abandoned it, so let's assume it was, oh, whether it was. Yeah, so this doesn't make any sense, does it? Because, yeah, it's not like they were massacred there. Everyone left, so. I suppose you just. Or you, can you just curse? Well, they oh, cursed it, didn't they? My demonology. They cursed it, so it's spirits, but it's not the dead spirits of the yeah. people who live there. It's just sort of not it's, haunting. Um, yeah, it's a curse. It's freelance it? spirits. Carmen or something. <laughs> yeah, just a, yeah, free freelancers. Well, I was reading about that earlier, and the, the the earliest sign of the the fact that they were getting a good fucking curse in was the fact that a cobra bit the um Howard what's the his face is a parrot, right? How yeah. part of the guy actually under the expedition? So there's looks to be a horror, an Indian horror film about it. So that's worth knowing. Called Kalo, K A A L O, and um, she that basically there was a witch who lived there, and she was killed and buried by angry villagers for sacrificing. Um, Young female girl children to satisfy her grief for immortality. I never, never learned. learned. Just let them have the kids. Um, and then so uh, she came back, and then all the villagers left. Uh, and then I think some people, I think kind of like a Blair Witch thing, I think some people come there now, and then the witch is obviously still kicking about. Yes, according to Wikipedia, it's um, the government registered has been developing it as a tourist spot, and it's just just over the last ten oh, years, okay. actually, in, in twenty ten. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, and you see, I'm, um, there's a thing on Wiki. It's actually got it in English as well. Called Horror Heritage Resort, Clean Village Hotel. <laughs> so you got to be staying there overnight, then, surely? Yeah, Called Horror Village Experience. I'm finding here. On TripAdvisor, rating four. The Haunted Experience. It gives you a kind of creepy feeling. The folklore says the entire village was vacated by the uh, Pilawal villagers due to the exploits of women uh, by the head Salam Singh. Uh, His uh, Haveli, or house, is still in the city and an attraction. Those visitors are not allowed in as family still lives there. Lots of conservation work going on at the moment. Hmm. Slightly contradictory. I mean, again, this this does seem very much one of those things where we've been very kind of, um, you know, selective with the facts that we're going to choose to believe. So just looking here about the decline of the, uh, the village. So firstly, like by 1815, most of the wells in the village had dried up. And by 1850, only um, the sort of the Stepwell and two right. deep wells were functional. Well, apparently, they would still have been getting taxed quite heavily. So originally, they would have gotten would have had make, quite good water supply, crops, so they would have yeah. had good agriculture. So that they were still paying taxes. Apparently, based on the kind of old, you know, there wasn't a, re- yeah. a reduction in tax demands from the state. 
So that might have forced them to start just getting a hell out of dodge. Um, and then you actually look at, rather than overnight, it looks like a rather more <laughs> gradual exodus. So... <laughs> 1,588 during the sort of 17th, 18th century, around 800 by 1815, and around 37 in 1890, so not, not quite 24 hours. Um, however, a variation of the legend claims that the village was abandoned overnight, so no, the census has seen the village. It was, it was, it was a village it where they yeah. ran out of water, and there was a slow decline in population as yeah. people moved off to pastures new to try and eke out a living. Yeah, well, they could growing eke out a living because it, yeah, it was a combination of not having enough water and then still being heavily taxed, you know. What was assuming the, that they would still be able what to, was the, and then you know the story to, behind <laughs> the essentially ghost town in on the island of Simi, which we've seen. Do you remember at the top of the hill? Wasn't it just that the vi- the village just I don't remember anything about a ghost town. I don't remember there were a lot of um kids. No, do you remember do you remember when you went, went up the top no, in Simi? Yeah, yeah. Style, whatever it's called. That, but that, it was basically abandoned. There was just like loads of almost dry stone wall houses, and it was all just abandoned. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. The, yeah, so no. The, yeah, I mean, well, this is down the the, the bottom up to the top. You know, that it's was just people to do moved with, away um, wasn't it, or whatever. Or I think it was family arguments. Well, basically, yeah. No, well, we, effectively, well, yeah, no, because basically, people, their kids, they couldn't decide on how to sort of. Um, partly paying the, the tax on it and partly sort of like deciding who actually gets the money. They were apparently um, a lot of them, basically the the parents kind of like passed away and then the kids couldn't agree on how they were going to actually split up the cost of the housing and all the rest of it. So they ended up becoming well, so know, paid. They were kind of... I know that like, was the case abandoned. with... Well, that's what we were well, told. I thought that was the case the with the, the... I know that was the case with like the fishermen's mansions because there were all those amazing massive mansion buildings which were kind of... On the side of the harbour and mm. going going up, and they were all amazing. And I knew that was the case with them. But then at the top there was the old village, and that was just basically completely abandoned, pretty much. Oh, I can't yeah. remember that that one. No, I remember there was a lot of accidents at the top because people were riding, um, riding like young young kids were riding their motorcycles too fast down the village because they were bored. But uh, no, I don't don't recall. I think I think again though, it's I mean, Simi is just ultimately. Just a complete tourist place. So if you're running yeah, a restaurant or you've retired, it's um, a nice place to live. Um, but you know, you, I mean, you're you're close to roads, I guess. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot going on really, as we discovered. Spending many days waiting for the next ferry out. Lovely, lovely part of the world, but uh, there's not really much to do in Sydney. I can enjoy the sunshine Let's and the get, uh, views. Um, uh, if you're me. Get yourself uh, eat a gyros and then get food poisoning for days. <laughs> yeah, that year I said looked particularly icky. Yeah, well, it ejaculated, didn't it? Which should have been the warning. <laughs> there was some like, some kind of sauce in the middle, yeah, which well, I don't think is. I don't know if that's particularly traditional. I pres- presume it was cheese or something, but anyway, it was something salty and molten that was you were having a lot no. of time with. Um, yeah, but at the top. Yeah, there was um, it was abandoned, but I th- a lot of the time with these abandoned places, because you see a lot of it in the Mediterranean, um, it's down to mm. people, which is why you've Greece is notorious for sort of like half abandoned buildings where they can't. Well, be in Greece, to... if you don't well, put a roof on a building, you don't pay tax on it, so they build. Yeah, you don't have so to they pay build a tax. Yeah. Right, a one or two story house, and then they put the um, pillars in to build the third floor, and then just never do it. 
just because then they don't have to pay the property tax. And um, for some reason, they're in quite bad financial trouble. Uh, <laughs> no one paying tax. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time in the Mediterranean, because of how their laws of inheritance and stuff work, I guess, uh, people just, families just argue about stuff and then I think it just goes on for generations and, the, you know, just the buildings fall into ruins, which is a shame, isn't it? So there's this movie called no. Agent Vinod. Oh, this is another one. They've they've shot some scenes in a movie called Agent Vinod, which are, it's a 2012 Indian action spy film. What it was James Bond? Indian James Bond. Yeah, very much got got heavy Bond vibes from this poster. Yeah, looking at this, so um, film's crew raised new structures for the set. They painted the ruined walls with insignia and Urdu words for their shooting requirements and covered some of the walls with cow dung to get the rustic look. Many tourist accused of a defacing heritage property. Subsequently, the Rajasthan government stalled the shooting. They cleaned all the countdown officers. <laughs> yeah, it's now become so. In 2015, the government decided to actively develop the village as a tourist spot. It's being undertaken as a public-private partnership with Jindal Steelworks. The plan includes establishment of visitor facilities such as a cafe, a lounge, a Wee. folk dance performance area, night stay cottages, and shops. Um, so, what it kind of sounds like to me is that. It is an old village that's been abandoned for very reasonable reasons, and it's now they're just lying about it being haunted and stuff to make it kind of like a Indian yeah. Disney world. <laughs> it's not even really a particularly a grift, actually, because they only just started like trying to make it more touristy recently. Yeah, I think it's just it's another one of those classic. There are a few, you know, as you say, it's been abandoned, and then they've just massively embellished and made up a load of stuff. Oh, it wasn't like over a hundred years. It was overnight. Uh, it was because of this evil tax collector, and then throwing a load of stuff about him, trying to kidnap the chief's daughter and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it all feels a little bit more prosaic than that. Um, effectively, it was. Uh, yeah, it's just a, uh, a place that could no longer sustain itself, and people gradually left. Looks like a nice place to visit. Though. Yeah, um, but again, as you said, I mean, India is chock-a-block full of really amazing history and architecture and stuff. So mm. um, I don't know if it... I don't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't don't know if it'd be the first stop on my tour of India. I would like to go to Rajasthan, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be necessarily overly bothered about necessarily. James Kildara. Who knows? If it was on if it was en route, I'd probably stop by. I'd stop in the cafe. Have yourself to I would like to, although I am quite tempted to go and stay overnight just to disprove. Do you feel that it needs disproving? <laughs> well, not really, no. Well, you're quite you're quite spooking me at the moment because you're basically sitting in almost pitch black. I can just sort of see the front bits of your face. It's, it's this camera. It's sort of, um, yeah. I look like Holly from Red Dwarf or a more awful um, version. You just look quite scary. My face poking out the screen. Yeah, no, it's not actually quite that dark in here. But <laughs> I need to put on the light in a minute. Um, yeah. It's not actually pitch black, but uh, yeah, it's, this this camera doesn't handle low light very well. And the fact that you've got um, a skull painted on your face as well. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that helping. Isn't it? You look like the Owl Man. <laughs> oh no, it's caught up with me. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that we have rung that one dry as well. Another one that didn't really go terribly anywhere. Um, so let's go through the let's go through. 
Let's go Not through familiar, the um, uh, system, the matrix. Um, this time... Are you scoring this week, Chris? Uh, this week, I'm going to be using my 120-sided dice, which I use for my tabletop role-playing games. And yes, you're really advanced, Dan. Really, really, really advanced. Um, my For my uh, Citadel miniatures... And Warhammer. Is painting them yet? Oh yeah, that's what. Um, Chaos Wizard. Yep, my um, uh, Banshee. Dreadful. Did you get that Ickle paint? I did. I got. Um, I've recently got a new squadron. It's quite cheap. It only cost me seventy quid for the six figurines of uh, oh. of frost frost goblins. So um, you know they should they should prove a hit next time I'm down at the games workshop. Uh, yeah, so I'll be using that dice and I will be adding either, if it lands on a single number, I'll use a single number, fine. If it lands on um, a double-digit number, then I'll add the two numbers together. It's a simple system and with that I will be channeling both the God of Chance and the Collective Power of all tabletop miniature role-playing game people from around uh, the um, Brighton and Hove area. What, what if it lands on the Void of Chaos? Well, then we know we're on to something, and we have to look deeper. Okay, you're not no. playing as a muscle. Okay, enough. so spookiness. I will go first. So I guess the... Well... Even the story, which says sort of made up or may have been like a little local myth or whatever, isn't spooky. It's about like someone, like an inappropriate man after someone's daughter, and then they just I'm trying to tax some loads, and they just go, "Let's fuck off." But we'll put a curse on it. I don't find curses particularly spooky. Okay, just going to say that. No, there's, there's not a lot of follow-up as to what this but curse might I don't find curses, curses and spooky to me. It's not. It's something, you know, it's what it's worrying, but it's not spooky. Um, there's meant to be spirits and screams coming out of the village. I don't know where that's come from because we're not hearing a lot about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be scary at night. I think it might be quite like nice and atmospheric. I think it might be quite a nice place to go. So spookiness, I'm afraid it's low for me. I'm giving it a two for spookiness. And remember, I gave, I've given some high schools spookiness for nothing. So this is <laughs> this is a real thumbing my nose. Neil, spookiness. <laughs> yeah, I think I tend to sort of agree. I kind of, you know, abandoned town isn't necessarily. It's more interesting than kind of spooky in a way. And, and, and as you say. Like, Curse, I don't sort of necessarily buy into. So, and there's not there's not enough. There's a lot of talk about how the abandonment might have happened, but not a lot of talk about what supposedly happens if you disobey the curse. Or you know, um, foolish enough. Yeah. Apart from, apart from yeah, the exactly, people who apart from the people who stay up, at the hotel, um, all the people who still live there. Exactly, <laughs> cafes and all the rest of it. And, you know, talking about the uh, the great connectivity they now have to get there by uh, by train or by road. Um, you kind of think probably not that much of a, a yeah, um, yeah. So two so, low scores. Two. So Neil, believability. You are the champion. You are the wind beneath my wings. Go. So um, I mean, yes, it was abandoned, 
and um, you know that's that's quite interesting. Um, okay, no, this, the, you dig into the details, and the um, and it doesn't really add up. So I could believe a bunch of these different things. Um, the fact that there was like a tax collector, who was a real knob. Um, I could put in over tax people and sort of, or, or you know, was trying to sort of get, get into something else. I could believe um, even that, you know the idea that people might have thought that the place was haunted or all the rest of it, but none of this really bears up. And actually, when you look into it more, um, the fact is it doesn't really seem like it's been abandoned overnight at all. So actually, it all just feels like a bit of a tall tale to make the place sound more interesting, or just you know, people have kind of like, oh yeah, you you know. That place down the road that it's finally become, you know, um, uh, abandoned. You know, oh, that was abandoned overnight. You know, two hundred years ago. Well, no, actually, it wasn't. Um, and so shows clearly. It's just like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I used to. I lived there a week ago. <laughs> you know, especially the whole thing about they like, disappeared the night before. Again, it's a bit of a Marie Celeste thing where you just layer on a load of fictional detail that makes it sound more interesting than the actual facts. Um, so no, all of that um, goes against the believability for me. This is going to merit a. I'm going to give it a three because it's clearly true. I mean, it has been abandoned, but all of the sort of spooky parts have basically just been made up. Yeah, not spooky. You know, the the, the uh, parts. Have been yeah, made up. Uh, I pretty much agree. Um, I mean, the thing is, I think for us living in England or the UK, um, probably because it's quite small and also because uh, land's very expensive and we've been pretty much everything's been doled out land-wise since the Norman conquests. We don't see a lot of abandoned towns or really understand that, whereas in the rest of the world, you know, like in America constantly get like they've because they've got so much space they've got so much land there um mm. and because you know often towns would be would kind of uh develop for you know mining a natural resource or gold or um you know like the automobile industry or they'd have like towns that would come up because they'd have like one big factory there and every and the kind of town grew around it and then the you know technology moves on or whatever business moves on and then the town just gets abandoned so they have loads of that i mean you know i I've sort of joked about detroit but i mean there's found like tens of thousands of houses that are just abandoned whole neighborhoods in detroit because there isn't the jobs there anymore and it seems like they're turning mm. it around a bit now through basically local action. Um, but, I mean, you know, there are just still, like, loads of, you know, and you get with all the foreclosures and stuff that happens. Well, I think that's that's the problem as well. It's it's less that people are, it's, well, whether people are abandoning it by choice, but I think it's more the banks yeah. are foreclosing. But, you mean, but no, you know, all people do, you know, if, they're, if they worked, if it was a mining community, coal mining or whatever, um, then and the mine closed or the seam was run, then people, yeah, yeah, yeah people, people would just abandon it. Yeah. So, well. but we don't. Yeah. I mean, we don't really have that in where we come from. So it seems really weird. But I think that it isn't that weird, really, globally. Um, probably, um, I'm not really sure where I was going with that. Really. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's weird for us, but I don't think it's that weird overall, something being abandoned. 
Uh, so believability is fine. All the ghost stuff, I think, is nonsense. And I think they're tagging that on now to try and get a bit of money into the area, which is fine, but it's still not very believable. So I'll, um, I'm going to go two there, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. When I, I sort of completely lost where I was going there. I kind of, my, my brain disassociated with my body and my mouth. I just, <laughs> it's a curse. It's the curse. <laughs> You mock it at your, at your peril. Yeah, no, I think where you're going with is just basically, you, although we do have economic shifts in terms of like people moving, like, you know, you get people moving yeah, to the not, south, whereas a bit more money and stuff. Um, you don't, not the rate of abandonment of places that you get elsewhere. There, there are some, there's some ghosts. Yeah, uh, but it's, a, it's a rare thing, England, which we. Not a bigger phenomenon. Yeah, so we find it spooky because, of the because it's rare. Whereas it's not actually that rare on yeah. a global scale. So, uh, reach. Um, well, you, no, no, I mean, I've, I've heard ish of this thing before. It's had a couple, it's had a couple of movies. Well, one based in it, not about it, one about it. Um, but again, I mean, I think I feel like it's being pushed now because they're looking to make it into a resort. Um, but it still hasn't got a huge reach. I imagine that people, I'd be, I, I don't know. I don't know that people, I don't think it would be known nationally in India even, really. So no, it's probably more of a Because of that, um, reach for me, um, reach for me, I'm giving a three, Neil. How about you? I'm going to go slightly higher just because, you know, obviously they're, they're sort of promoting it a little bit, but I don't know. And it's something where I, I can sort of buy into the idea that there were regional legends about the fact that it was haunted and things like this, but um, I suspect it was much more of a regional thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows how prevalent it is or how well-known it is throughout um, India, but um can't really say. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's got massive reach. Yeah, it has. There's, it's something that's been sort of, like, become more known about as we've gotten through the sort of internet. But, um, you know, these things pick up a bit of a life of their own, so... That's interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to go, going to go for a three, I think. Not going to be a high so score, this one, I don't think. It's not going to be a high score, no. So finally, Neil, you first, narrative slash premise. Well, this one, actually, I'm going to go a bit higher here because I think this is quite interesting. I think the whole, I find the whole notion of ghost towns quite evocative. I think it's as you were saying about it's not something. Of your childhood. Like, yes, because I grew up yeah. in a haunted village in Ketrin. Yeah, Wicksteed Park, regularly haunted by teenagers. We've got nowhere else to go. Chase. Have an evening. We've got Wiki. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, no, I, yeah, the, the whole no, the whole notion of this, as I say, I find quite evocative. It's quite interesting because it's not something that I'd be that familiar with. Um, or it's not something you'd see massively in English ones. It's sort of like abandoned hamlets and things like this. But um, the the idea of a kind of like you know a place where sort of one and a half thousand people were living two hundred years ago just um, seemingly haven't been abandoned overnight, and especially all this sort of fascinating fascinating architecture and stuff um, is it, quite interesting, quite evocative. Um, so and and I think you know the whole it's obviously lent itself to the whole um story of the tax collector and things like that which obviously you know you can debunk but um it's still quite an interesting premise i think it's a bit like as i said before marie celeste on a grander scale so it's not the most amazing of stories but i think there's a there's a fair bit to it and it's quite interesting and i think that that would you know 
it's people are interested. It's made me think if I was in the area, I wouldn't mind going and visiting and going and having a, uh, a cheeky spot uh, to eat and something at the cafe. So um, yeah, I'd probably visit if I was, was around the area. So it's it's a, an interesting bit of narrative there, and you can sort of, you know, obviously things like earthquake and stuff like that in the world's drawing out. It's not so not so good, but the, the the general narrative they come up with of the sort of tax collection, I think, was quite good. So. Anyway, the long and the short, going to give this a six. Six, nice. Well, the real narrative here, Neil, is, is of course, uh, how much man is beholden to the whims of nature. And you can have your nice town, but if there isn't the water, or you use it all up, or the... um, or the meteorological effects change... Then you got to up sticks and get yeah, out. Yeah, and all yeah. that. So, um, you know, it's uh, they don't they don't they don't promote it in this way. But it, uh, you know, I think probably a more useful story here is it's quite a good cautionary tale that you know over farming or whatever or kind of over you know using the aquifer or whatever you know, and you're going to have to move, and that's something which we kind of know it's going to be happening, and, you know, it's going to be happening and is happening in the world at the moment. Lies, Chris. Rain follows the plan. <laughs> Scientific fact. So um, I think that, yeah, a decent story. It feels like a story that I've heard a million times before of powerful man wants someone's daughter, you know. Yeah. You know, so the story is old as time, isn't it? Um, it's not very, not very original. Um the fact that it's act, you know, we actually know what happens, you know, and they're just pushing this story for tourist bucks. I don't, I don't care particularly. Good for them. Um, yeah, I just wish, you know, if they're saying it's haunted, then you know, come up, but you don't just go. Oh, sometimes at night there's screams, and and other stuff. It's like, well, what is the other stuff? Do you know what I mean? So I think they've been a bit, considering they seem to be ploughing quite a lot of public and private money into making this a resort, I think they need to get their story up to scratch. So because of that, I'm going to give it a four because I don't want them resting on their laurels. And if they hear this, they'll know if they want, if you want to make a success out of this, you need to, you need to get some better ghost stuff going on. Probably hire some of the script writers that are uh, filming their films. Yeah, or us. Or us, we could do it. Yeah. So that gives it a total score of 30 out of possible 80. So a fairly low one, which is surprising considering it's a haunted village. But um, I think we will look at other haunted villages or abandoned villages. But I would hope that they have a little bit um, little bit more mythos. Yeah. I'm not asking for evidence. I'm just asking for a good yarn. Do you know evidence what I mean? It doesn't have to be good, as we as we found out with the air. Yeah, just anything. You can make a little bit of an effort, guys. Um, yeah, so that's it. That was our second one from India as well, wasn't it? So it's good that we're um, yes. yeah. we are we are curating curating the world's urban legends. Um, and I would just say that. Um, if your well's drying out and, you know, the tax isn't going down, uh, you know, you probably won't have nightmares because your stomach will be in knots because you're in financial trouble. But, um, 
you know, maybe put a bit of lavender on your pillow and um, do a bit of meditation and stuff. But, you know, maybe you have to move. I don't know. Neil? Tough love. Tough love. And that's it from this week's Urban Legends. And we will see you next Thursday. Goodbye. Goodbye.